everyone. Welcome to the Sally Allen podcast. You know, as I'm sitting here doing this, I'm thinking like I'm uh, right now I'm in my most favorite place. So how cool is that, that I've come to love this. Somebody had told me you'll, you'll get addicted to these podcasts and I think I am. I'm getting there. So um, this podcast, we, um, you know, one of the things I do is give people a platform to share their stories of resilience. And today we have uh, Chris Tice. And we met through my friend, Kim Allen. We've never met before. This is going to be brand new for me, someone I've never met, but I'm pretty excited to have Chris. So Chris is um, a life and leadership coach and an inspirational speaker. He's the co-founder of Eagle Fire Enrichment, LLC. And Chris first began his leadership journey early in life as the Eagle Scout, earning the Eagle Scout Award. Utilizing lessons through life, he has continued his journey through sales and business, becoming a firefighter for the city of Wichita. Due to persistent injuries, Chris took a leap of faith and retired from the fire department and became a full-time coach and speaker. Chris, welcome. Welcome to uh, the Sally Allen podcast. I'm really excited to have you on here, and I can't wait for you to share your story with us. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Sally, for having me. Um, yeah, we had met in person. Uh, one, thank you, Kim. I'm sure she'll be listening. So, um, yeah, just I love opportunity and I love being able to share my story uh, because I've allowed for forgiveness in my life and I preach that to others. And my hope is that they would be inspired to do the same. I feel like if we would live our lives more fulfilled and God's calling on our lives and to love love Him and love others, how much better this world would be. And if, if, if sharing my story of hope and, as you said, resilience helps people do that, I'm all in. So I'm, I'm very grateful for this chance to do this with you today. Yes, and I am. And tell me again, where are you located? I'm in Wichita, Kansas. You're still um, in Wichita, you, okay. Yeah, still in Wichita, uh, right in the center of the U.S., nice and hot and humid. So. <laughs> okay, well, Chris, what are you sharing with us today? So, you know, I talked about, you know, just, just kind of that resilience factor. Um, in a lot of ways, I had a lot of things that did not go the way that many people uh, would think they should, especially at a young age. And, you know, at the year, uh, excuse me, at the age of one and a half, uh, my mom left my dad and I, left my dad to be in a single dad. And, uh, you know, they were both very young and I uh, never, never was given a true reason why. Uh, the reason that she left. And so I had these feelings of being left alone, being feeling like I couldn't be loved. You know, I didn't have that love of a mother. And so then through all that, during that time, um, unfortunately, my dad uh, lived a life of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And uh, I grew up in that. And so at the age of five, I even knew how to pump and tap a keg um, and uh, was just a big party favor, and I thought that life was cool, and I was just kind of this uncaged tiger at such a young age, and there were things that I saw and witnessed that later on in life, I would come to find out, as weird as this can sound, happened for me. Um, I'll get to that later on in the story about how you know growing up that way and seeing people the way they are has helped me now. But then my dad actually, uh, you made mention of me being an oil Eagle Scout. Uh, Scouts is a big part of my family and I's lives. And uh, my dad met my soon-to-be future stepmother um, through scouts. And as she had moved in and they were getting ready to get married, they had called my stepbrother and I into their bedroom. 
And standing next to the bed, uh, they told us their expectations of us, which looking back, I, I appreciated that they were going to do that. And it was, it started out with, you know, now you're brothers, now you live together. We know there's going to be changes. We're going to have to adapt and change, but here's our expectations of you guys. And long story short, the stepbrother was told that he would achieve a lot, do well in school and, and go on to do great things. And, uh, and that I would be the, basically the exact opposite that, I wouldn't amount to much that I would continually struggle and that camp would always be a part of my regular vocabulary. And at the age of 10, that was soul crushing. I mean, I had my dad tell me that. And for that to happen made me continue these feelings of unlove, these feelings of I have nowhere to turn to. Now, that said, I did have family who was there for me, but even that got taken away because we moved. And we didn't go see them. So I lost a lot of support and structure and just felt alone. And I became very bitter. I became very angry and just felt no self-worth. And at such a young age, that's that's hard to attune to. That's hard to understand. And so one of my first major pivots in life and changes in life came from being in Boy Scouts. Um I had a scoutmaster who was a mentor and a business leader. He loved scouting. He loved helping uh, raising young boys up into men and uh, just showing us all the ropes and tools, whether it was in business, survival, uh, just, just being a good person, a good human being. And him and I typically were some of the first ones to wake up in the mornings. And so we're sitting on this picnic bench having coffee, and the sun's coming up. And he said, Chris, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, backtrack a little bit here. I always wanted to be a firefighter. Always wanted to be a firefighter. And that year, this was summer camp. So that year, uh, I'm going to say uh, early in the year, probably January, February, I kept telling my parents I wanted to be a firefighter. And they told me not to do it. It was too dangerous for me. I wouldn't be strong enough. I wouldn't be good enough. I wouldn't be able to do it. You don't make much money, so it's not worth it. And so I gave up. Once again, I gave up hope and I became even more angry and embittered. So as I'm sitting there contemplating my answer, I thought about lying to him like I did everybody else saying, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer. And uh, I said, you know, John, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I'm not going to matter to much. So I guess I'll just kind of see what happens and just float through life. And he looked right back at me square in the face and said, don't you ever let somebody tell you you can't do something mm. ever. I have seen the leader that you are. You're the leader of this troop. And I was. I was the senior patrol leader. I had the highest ranking position that a Boy Scout could have in his troop. He goes, you do a great job. He goes, but you're going to have to get out of your own head to fix this. And that was the first time that I had really recognized in life that it was really up to me how I would respond to these things and how I should behave in life. And so I finished on, as you said, uh, to get my Eagle Scout, something I was very proud of. Um, it was one of the few times that uh, during my childhood that my stepmom said she was proud of me. Um, and I uh, got to see the smile on their faces and got to experience kind of a winning attitude. And it, it made me realize that not only because I, quote unquote, had the chip stacks against me because of the things that were said to me and some things I was held behind on. Uh, and then how hard it is to achieve the Eagle Scout. Only 2% of all Scouts who start earn it. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that's how hard it is. 
it becomes a mental game. It becomes about resilience. It becomes about what are you willing to do to achieve this? And so that was a huge win for me for myself, but also noticing how it helped others and guide others. I went on to move out and, um, and get married. And that changed a lot of things because I was very young. Once again, I found out that my dad and stepmom were talking to my family and telling them there's no way he'll make it. Uh, he'll come running back. Uh, I can't believe they're getting married. They're not ready, which really wasn't. But uh, we made it work for a time. And then, unfortunately, divorce happened. And once again, I floated right back to all those feelings of negativity and hatred and embitterment. I had a son. I became a single dad. Mm. And now I felt like I was reliving the life that my dad lived. Mm. So, Chris, before, started, before we go into that second section, I'd like to ask, ask you a few things, uh, dig into a few things that you said. Um, uh, one of the, why did you think your parents were so hard on you and why did they not believe in you? You know, I, I, I one time asked that question mm -hmm. and part of it was, and I, something I should have said earlier. So everybody, please, please, please do not vilify anybody from my life. Please do not. Uh, my message is a forgiveness, but it's from forgiveness of the fact that we are not perfect. And that's where I was headed with the next part was I made my own mistakes too. Even as a kid, I was, I was screwing around a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, but really what I was doing, and I, I feel like I'm picking on my dad. I'm not, it's just the truth of the story of where we're at or where we were at back then. But I was following my dad's footsteps. He didn't do very well in school and he just kind of mm -hmm. floated and just picked something. He had a lot of dreams crushed. And so I was continuing kind of that generational, um, uh, I don't want to call it a curse, but just steps. Mm -hmm. And so a piece of me says that one thing God wanted to do was to say, hey, you're kind of hard-headed. You're kind of stubborn, which I am, and mm -hmm. I was. Mm -hmm. This is what it's going to take to get you going. Because I look back now saying this happened for me, because if I still said it happened to me, I wouldn't be going in the direction I am today. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been an Eagle Scout. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have ended up with straight A's in high school at one point in time. Mm -hmm. I was screwing around a lot and I was not doing the things that were going to be necessary to achieve success. So yes, it was harsh to hear what I heard. Could it have been handled a different way? Looking back? Yeah, sure. But I can say that about being a parent myself now. And so yeah. I, I think it benefited me in the long run just because I needed to hear it. Just as a 10 year old boy, you don't understand it that way. Hmm. So are you saying you needed to hear that you can't no, I, I, so, okay, sorry. Yes. I needed to hear, I needed to get my stuff together. I needed to get right. Okay. Okay. But it shouldn't have been said that way. Okay. You know, positive okay. reinforcement works way better than negative reinforcement. And so, you know, to hear that you can't has now become my slogan of can't never did. Mm -hmm. So in the long run, yes, that was what I needed to hear. Could it have been done differently and would it have worked more effectively as in what my scoutmaster did saying, you can do this. Don't let somebody tell you, you can't. Absolutely. And so that's, again, that's a change in mindset. And those are the kinds of things that not only do you have to process for yourself, but if you're leading and guiding other people, whether it's in the home, your church, your neighborhood, your organization at work, whether you're a CEO or you're the next person in the cubicle over, 
it doesn't matter. Positive reinforcement will always work stronger than negative reinforcement. So because I was so stubborn and thick-headed, maybe that's what I needed to hear. Maybe that's what God wanted because if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have had my scoutmaster there to correct it. Right. But ultimately, should we be telling people that? No, we should not. Yeah. And then the next question I have, you said, I had to get out of my own head. Do you have a process? What did you do to get out of your own head? So the key word there is process. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's just let's just be 100% real about that. Uh, that was not something I understood at the time. <laughs> and so coming back uh, into the second part of my story here about getting divorced was I allowed all of the negative emotions to take me over. Mm. I allowed for this feeling of rejection to be something that I now expressed outwardly to others. Even though I was trying to hide it all inside, I started hiding inside of alcohol and partying. Um, if I had my son, then I tried to just put on this smiling face. If I was around other people who weren't a part of my party lifestyle, I, I was trying to fake it till you make it. And I was back in my own head that I wasn't worthy. So this is what I'm just going to do. And in that time, uh, my aunt, who has also been a huge mentor to me, a huge help to me, and my uncle, uh, called me up and said, hey, why don't you come be a part of the firefighters parade with the families? You need to be doing something positive. And that moment when I showed up to, to walk with them, I ran into an old friend of mine who had just gotten hired on and uh, said, I remember you talking about wanting to do this a long time ago. You need to revisit it. I said, oh, man, I don't know. I don't think I can. I, I don't know. I just... And all those feelings of worthlessness and rejection came forth, but I was projecting. I was back in my own head. He looked at me and goes, no, I know how strong you are. I know the leader you are. You can do this. And so I went to my uncle, who uh, very successful as a firefighter, um, and said, hey, I want to do this. And so then I had to go kind of like the Eagle Scout. You had to go through a process. You had to get out of your comfort zone. And I had to go back to studying, which I hated studying. I had to go back to reading, which I hated reading. But for the cause, it was worth it. And ultimately, I became a firefighter. And I got to do that for 14 amazing years. Mm -hmm. And when I say I'm retired, I usually say I'm early retired. Now, yeah. I learned a ton about myself. I learned a ton about other people. And I learned how to handle that a lot better with being a firefighter. And that stems back even from when I saw people looking on the on the outside looking in back in my dad's party days saw some people at some of their worst times and i was doing some of those same things mm. and then to be around it uh you know going on the type of calls that we go on there are things that just really tug at your heart and it can really tug at your brain and i had to recognize that there were things that i had seen and been a part of that even as a young child i could utilize to help me now and it was how I could help others, how I could guide others and, you know, turn from being a party favor to just being somebody that was there to guide them and help them, strengthen them. Mm -hmm. And so as I got out of my own head, I decided to go back to school because I realized I can do these things. Um, I had left uh, college. I had finished with my associates, but left so we could raise our son when I was still married and decided it was time to get my bachelor's, which led into possibly uh, completing a master's degree. But while I was working on that bachelor's, I had been elected the president of our psychology club. And our first big kickoff of the event for the school year is a big cookout. It's how we try and bring everybody in. And it's mm -hmm. how we uh, bump our enrollment for the club. But I had found out that the day we selected 
to have it was the day eight other clubs were doing it. Keep in mind, it's a very small college in Wichita. Mm -hmm. And I got negative. I really did. I went, oh my gosh, this isn't going to work. And I was saying this stuff out loud. Mm -hmm. This isn't going to work. There's this club is doing pizza. This club's doing Chipotle. This club has donuts. These guys are doing candy and ice cream. There's no way. No one's going to come to get hot dogs and hamburgers. Mm -hmm. And my professor, who uh, would become a huge mentor in my life and somebody who was not afraid to correct me, which like I said, stubborn, hard-headed, um, but he corrected from grace and mercy and positivity, not negativity. He stopped grilling, looked at me and said, you have to be the most p pessimistic person I have ever met in 30 plus years of teaching. <laughs> now you talk about a dagger to the heart. I thought I was a pretty nice guy at this point. You know, I mm -hmm. cleaned up my drinking. I wasn't partying. I thought I, I had quit uh, being so angry all the time and come to find out I wasn't. And in that moment, I stood there and I looked around and everybody who was supposed to be following my command was slowly moving. There, there was no excitement in their faces. Mm -hmm. And that was because of me. Mm. And I had to recognize in that moment, I was a professional pessimist. I was still mm -hmm. in my own head. I was still letting all these feelings and thoughts and words that were said of negativity come back into my mind. And so I had to regroup. I had to regroup myself. And so I pulled the whole team together and said, hey, this is on me, but mm -hmm. we're going to have the best night ever. Mm -hmm. I said, not because I'm over here telling this, but because we're going to have some fun. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And everybody forgave me. And it was just mm -hmm. such a simple process of forgiveness, including the professor, other than the fact that he wanted to help me because psychology, like he's not going <laughs> to help, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, he did help me after the fact, but we did. And we ended up uh, we ended up setting a record for attendance that night and for enrollments into our club. Mm. And it was just this solid reminder to me that it was up to me. Mm -hmm. It was up to me to fix me. Yes, mm -hmm. I have help, but I have to be willing to ask for help. I have to be willing to accept the help. I have to be willing to accept forgiveness mm -hmm. and move forward and move forward in a positive light. Something that now guides me everywhere I go. Mm -hmm. But Chris, you, do you find that, like for me, I, am, I consider myself being an optimist, but those negative feelings, they come and, and you have to be able to battle them like that as opposed to let them marinate, right? So how do you deal with that when the, the negativity comes? Because the past never really goes away. It's how we deal with it now. So how are you dealing with some of that? So several steps that go into this, but the first one, and this is something I teach everybody I coach on is train your brain, train your brain for positivity. Yeah. If you have all that negativity, like you just said, Sally, it is so important to start looking for positivity everywhere you go. Mm. And it's in the simplest of littlest of things, whether it's a, a child smiling while they're playing, you have kids, uh, even when they've just about taken you up a wall and you think you're not a great parent, you can't be a good parent. Cause I've been down that road, but then, um, my kids are really good at coming up to me and saying, daddy, I love you. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's a heartbreaker. And then you just have to remember, you know, in all of this stuff where you just thought you can't be a good parent, then your kid comes up and tells you that. And it's probably after I yelled and screamed and got mad, not mm -hmm. something I'm proud of, but mm -hmm. you have to train your brain for positivity and you have to start taking action on it. And one of the biggest things you can do is for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, my stepmom and I uh, get along better now than we ever have. She has supported me in my business ventures. Uh, we have reached out and chatted with one another about things. And uh, 
have seen each other face to face since I had moved out and apologized. And uh, I've spoken with my dad several times about this and said, Hey, just so you know, the story's coming out. And he said, son, I have nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. I said, well, good, because I'm not holding back because I want people to forgive one another. Mm-hmm. I want people to start to see a more positive light because when you forgive yourself of these things, you begin to forgive others. My dad and I have an impeccable record for guiding and helping one another and forgiving each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, I, it's so important that when you, when your brain starts to see these things, your heart starts to say, I want more. Mm-hmm. I want more. I want more. Mm-hmm. And so now your mindset, as you set up your day, I wake up every morning. I say, today's going to be a great day, mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. And through it all, yes, I still have bumps. I still have struggles. I still have mountains to climb. Yeah. But because I've trained my brain to see the positivity in those things, I find that there's opportunity everywhere. It doesn't mean it's daisies and roses. Right. It means that I know I can trim the thorns that are out of them. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about your coaching. What type of coaching do you do? So straight coaching is life coaching, and that's that's a huge part of it. Um, I call it lead your greatest life, and yours mm-hmm. always capitalized. Mm-hmm. And it uh, it comes from, from, from what I was talking about. You've got to lead yourself if you're going to lead others. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be, even though, yes, I'm also a leadership consultant, uh, but it doesn't have to come from rank, title, or position to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just holding the door open for somebody means you're a leader. And I say mm-hmm. just. You're not just. You're not just anything in life. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. And when people feel that, when they know that, when they hear that, when they believe that and they take action on that, they start leading their greatest life. They start seeing the things that God has called them to do. And when other people see that, they see that you're living your greatest life. You may not have the exact house of your dreams yet, may not have the exact car of your dreams yet, but just your actions alone speak to a more positive light. Mm. And it sounds very optimistic and opportunity driven because it is. I lived yeah. that professional pessimism life. It was yeah. horrible. I'm looking back now. I, I wouldn't have hung out with myself. <laughs> I, I think what and you're now, saying, yeah. Be the change you want to see in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. it's got to be positive. Right. That, that, uh, I love that quote. I really, truly do. And I don't want to negate it. But from that coaching aspect and from teaching these things has to be from the fact that you've got to look at it positively. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, there, there are times that, uh, and, and I'm taking this from other people, uh, uh, Tony Robbins and my talk about this all the time about the thermostat. Mm-hmm. What are you set at? And if you walk into a room that's sitting at 75 and you walk in at 85 mm. and you go be a part of the negativity, your temperature comes down, Yeah, raise the temperature, or you may have to find another room that's sitting at 95 so you can bump up, Yeah, but you have to be seeking the positivity in that. There are unfortunately instances and circumstances, and I was one of them where the be the change was, well, if I'm miserable, everybody else should be miserable. Mm, mm. If, if, if my life's not going to amount to much, then your life shouldn't either. You know, no one cares. Only the 1% will be the 1%. And that's not just driven on money. It's the 1% who are willing to make that change, but to make it for the better. And those are the ones, and I, I, I my ultimate goal in this is to change the 1% to 2%, the 2% to 3%. Yeah, because more and more people change positively makes a positive change in the world. 
Yeah, Chris, talk, talk to us a little bit about forgiveness. You've mentioned it several times. Um, I know you said you've forgiven, you know, yourself, forgiven your parents. Talk to us a little bit about your process. Everybody's process of forgiveness is different. What's yours? Yeah, so that also comes from another mentor that was in my life where I kept saying that I had forgiven people. And she looked at me square in the face and said, no, you haven't. Your actions speak louder than words. You start getting fired up or something goes wrong, your anger comes out. Mm. Have you actually talked with these people and said, hey, here's what's going on? Have you actually worked this out by talking about it, by taking action? And other than just saying it, you have to believe it and you have to move on. Like you said, your past is still there. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily going to forget it, but you can forgive. I mean, there's a reason why when we drive a car that the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. If you only follow the rearview mirror, what's going to happen? And I know I'm using a, a, a driving simulation for that, but it's true in life too. Mm -hmm. If I spend all my time staring at that rearview mirror going, oh, but this person did that. Mm -hmm. This person said that. This happened. And I didn't get promoted because I didn't. Um, or or I, I had to leave the job being the fire department. I didn't want it. Mm -hmm. I really didn't want it. But when I looked at it going, hey, what's the windshield look like? Mm -hmm. Look how much more open it is. But you're hanging on mm -hmm. to these things over here that are just chipping away at your shoulders and weighing you down. Mm -hmm. But when you forgive, when you release them, when you say, I forgive you, mm -hmm. and they say, I forgive you too, or thank you for that, you feel this true freedom in your heart that allows you to open up and share your story. Mm -hmm. It's a part of my history which is his, God's, story all my life. Mm. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I think um, one of the things I usually say is um, bitterness is drinking poison, hoping the other person would die. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Amen to that. Yeah, that is so mm -hmm. true. And it's so unfortunate because mm -hmm. there's so many that are caught in that. And if I can even help just one person, let alone the billion, I think I'm supposed to. Mm -hmm. uh, let that go and quit drinking that poison. You're absolutely right. But cleaner waters. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, you're doing really, really good work and I applaud you for that. And I'm so, um, honored to have you on the show today. So what's the takeaway for our audience today? You know, I, here's the thing. I, I tell everybody to go out and make every day great. Mm -hmm. Your takeaway from today is to wake up in the morning and say, today's going to be a great day and take the action steps. Mm-hmm that you know you're called to do. If it's as simple as opening the door for somebody and holding it up for them when you normally wouldn't, do it. If it's smiling for the person at the register who's just obviously having a bad day and the person in front of you just berated them mm. and you know, take that extra second and say, hey, you know what? You're doing a great job. If it's getting into your own head and saying, I matter, do it. Take every step to make each day your greatest day. And remember that can't never did. Whether someone else says you can't do something or you're saying it to yourself, mm -hmm. block that immediately. Mm -hmm. Block it immediately and say, no, today's a great day. I'm a great person. I matter. I'm going to do this. Get in front of the mirror. Look yourself in the eyes. This is your challenge. This is your challenge tonight. Mm -hmm. Go stand in front of the mirror. Get the hero's pose. <laughs> post up and say, I matter. I'm great can't never did. Mm, I love that. I love that. Well, friends, you know, I always end it by saying it's never too late to start living resiliently. 
And, and one of the things that Chris said that really resonated with me is that, um, you know, positive reinforcement. Positive reinforcement always works, right? When you correct people, you correct with grace, you correct with mercy, and you correct with positivity. Um, so, Chris, I want to thank you so much for coming on our show. I, I really appreciate you sharing your heart with us today. And um, I, I love the work that you're doing. And for our audience, if you're watching this, remember to rate, review, and share with your friends. Thank you to Sticky Paw Studio and uh, Trevor Behind the Wheel. All right. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.